Yeah, that Skype song is pretty cool. Absolutely, it's a, uh, it's got a really, uh, it's got like a mamba to it or something. I, I don't like know. A vi- yeah, vibraphone. Or I don't know. Yeah, like marimba. Marimba, that's it, mamba. Yeah. Uh, mamba, like a black mamba, like a really deadly venomous snake. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But um, no, I like any any time. I'm so unfamiliar with like, like I like that kind of music, uh, bossa nova or whatever it is. I mean, I don't I don't even know how I would describe it. But, like, I'm so unfamiliar with the instruments that yeah. I just, like, call it whatever comes to my mind. I just call it all Calypso. Yeah, there you go. Although, it's interesting, though, this may or may not be related, but uh, this week I actually discovered that I particularly like a lot of dub music. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I never did before. I always dismissed it as, like... Kind of like I almost put it in the same same category as like jam bands or something in my mind. I, I don't know why. So well, yeah, that makes sense because I well okay. So <laughs> this is a common feeling that I have. Yeah, and that is that something can be awesome, and then it's fans, the fans of the thing. Oh, absolutely, are yes. make it terrible. Yep. So, yeah, like I would say that dub has been sort of co-opted by, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, hippies. Yeah, we can just say it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's that that's, I think that that's kind of the thing. But, like, um, I discovered it, actually, because I was listening to uh, a uh, interview with uh, Sam McFeeters. Are you familiar with him? Uh, no. He used to be the singer of Born Against, and he also did Men's Recovery Project. Okay. Yeah. And uh, he was describing it, like in the interview, he described dub music as music that you, like, at first he said it was creepy. Like he said, a lot of dub is creepy. Like once you get past, like, the sort of, like, upbeat reggae part of it you know and then sure. and then he mm-hmm. described it and this is what intrigued me he described it as um music that sounds like you should be robbing a warehouse to <laughs> <laughs> and I, was oh, like, I, can, I can see that and i was like yeah I, it, 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 you know and then then i listened to it and i'm like you know he's right there's like a dark like there's like there is a bunch of that sort of like sunshiny reggae sort of you know, right. in dub, but then there's like this dark avenue. This like you turn into like a different neighborhood of like the dark dub, and yeah. it sounds like spy music. For sure, yeah, I can hear that. It it, it makes a huge difference. Like once you kind of dive into it a little bit, like the goal of like kind of okay. So I personally would separate this into three kind of categories if it were up to me i'm sure it's completely wrong and anyone listening who's really into dub will call me an asshole but i've always saw it as like there's kind of like traditional dub and that's like um oh i don't know scratchly perry and like the scientist sure and stuff like that and then there's sort of like techno dub you know yeah, so it's essentially dance music with a lot of 
delay and maybe like a a fat bass and then there's sort of like reggae dub which is basically reggae with those added dub elements yeah so to me the kind of traditional dub is where I had to listen to that stuff to be like oh shit dub is actually super amazing yeah and so um and it's funny uh you, you know Sean Reed, right? Absolutely. Yes. He's way beyond way into dub. And um, if you ever want kind of like constant recommendations, his Instagram is called Digital Sting. Yeah, no, I, I and, follow uh, I follow him on IG. It's phenomenal. Between him and uh, this artist called The Bug, uh-huh. who's one of my favorite, um, he's kind of like, uh, super glitchy noise dub. Yeah, it's, um, that's not the savage young tater bug, is it? No. Uh-uh. Okay. No, he just goes by the bug. Okay. He was associated with that Alec Empire, like T, uh, Atari Teenage Riot. Oh, guy. wow. Yeah, yeah. And so it has a lot of those elements to it. Like, there's just that extreme noise. But uh, he's probably my favorite, what you would maybe call a dub artist. Huh. Um, but between the Bugs Instagram and Sean Reed's Instagram, like I can't even keep up with all the awesome dub wrecks. Yeah, so. I, I saw that he does the DJ thing, like Feel Free Hi-Fi. Yeah. And yeah. it seems I, I he's... Think they're putting out a record, or they just did. Yeah, and it seems so. he's kind of retired the whole Night People thing. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, like I think Wet Hair is pretty much pretty much done i know they put out a uh, like a last album uh or maybe it is maybe it's not a last album but i know the last album they he didn't put it out on on night people it actually came out on a different label so oh yeah yeah that's that's super interesting um sean reed is uh i i didn't really know sean reed like that well Uh i mean he was in my grade so we actually had a lot of classes together Oh, yeah. Um, but it's interesting because the memory that I have of Sean Reed and I, you know, if he, if there is a chance that he's listening to this, um, <laughs> I think there's actually probably a small chance, but I don't know. Maybe he'll stumble upon it, you know, one of these well, days. We'll have all those new followers and they'll be like, well, we heard on <laughs> Dan and Eric, we need to follow you for dub reps. Dude, they talk about Milk Sprite. <laughs> They mix milk with Sprite and then drink it. It's amazing. It's the official drink of dub. The official drink of oh my god, dude! I gotta get employed by Sprite because I really do not think or milk one of the two. They really are missing a market here. Like they really could be literally. Like, uh, they, they, they could be marketing to people like Sean and that bug guy, you know, they uh, could. Yeah. milk Sprite you for know, the dub thing. I was just thinking, you've seen Clockwork Orange, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A long time so ago. The Droogs, Alex and his Droogs, go to the milk bar and drink milk. Right? Oh, yes, I do remember that. Um, yep. So we should just make <laughs> milk Sprite and market it as... The official, like, Clockwork Orange milk drink. There you go. Yeah. Because everyone wants to be like those <laughs> abusive 
violent rape. And just yeah, yeah, the uh, <laughs> you know that that's that's an interesting that could be an interesting segue. I didn't even finish my story Sorry. about Sean Reed, but I really I no 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 at this point I don't have to because no I want I want well no but that would that would have been the perfect segue into what I believe we were going to talk about this week, uh, which was uh, oh. cancel culture right. like what. What would yeah. be what would be canceled? Because Clockwork Orange, I could totally see. But okay, well, just to make a long story short, the thing uh, the thing I remember about Sean Reed is um, that uh, he was a, a really exceptional visual artist. I mean, I remember like yeah being completely jealous of everything that he would draw yeah. in art class because it was just he it he made it seem effortless. And then yeah. I remember he. Um, he uh, like learned how to play guitar, I think mm-hmm. like in tenth grade or something, and uh, started a couple of bands, like they were they were like pop punk bands, in mm-hmm. high school, and then all of a sudden, like it just it was really just like a, a light flipped, and he just like went from like, you know, a hardcore pop punk fan playing in bands like that to all of a sudden he's doing this like these like weird psychedelic tapes on like his own label yeah. it was really a really like sean reed is one of the most um interesting from all the people that grew up around the music scene that i mm-hmm. you know was kind of around like i said i didn't really hang out with sean reed i didn't really know him that well other than uh-huh. in passing but like yeah. he mm-hmm. was definitely one of the most interesting you know for sure uh yeah hold on a second here Eric. okay so i don't know if uh that hold on eric got recorded but i don't care uh okay oh, it'll just make it really interesting my dad had to come in and uh, ask a question maybe i should have just let it record and just you know record <laughs> the conversation with my dad too uh, but uh anyway yeah. so yeah no sean reed though uh one of the most interesting uh situations as far as like local muscatine music because it's almost like he he came from muscatine but like it's like he really is so like he got so far removed from the muscatine you know scene like to the Uh point where he was like touring like australia and stuff like that like yeah it was and then and then also just the progression that he went from like you know like pop punk emo type stuff to like weird psychedelic stuff stuff that i was even like and you know i you know me i've always been into like kind of weird music but even some of the some of the stuff that he was digging up i was like wow this this is just strange like this is really strange and really interesting and like like raccoon i still couldn't wrap my i still can't wrap my hand hand my head around what raccoon was doing exactly as a band yeah. it was really interesting like i'd never really seen or heard anything like it you know right i was always real jealous of sean uh for numerous reasons but <laughs> uh i i do think i might have some insight into that mystery moment you were talking about um where mystery you went from one thing to another. oh okay uh, yeah 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 so he was in school at, at, at uh, UNI in Cedar Falls mm-hmm. when um, I think, yeah, basically when uh, 
Old Scratch was around. Um, Old Scratch Revival Singers. I actually sure. think everyone knows what the hell I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> and so we were in sort of the same, sort of the same clicks. It was kind of weird. Um, and I think that he he met a lot of people up there and um, a lot of people that, you know, listen to a lot of different things. And so um, I honestly think that's all it was, was being exposed to other things um, through other people, which happens when you expand or even kind of find a new peer group and friend group and things like that. And I mean, when you go to art school, I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna (laughs) you're gonna meet a lot of people that are into some weird shit. You you are absolutely, um, absolutely. Yeah, it was it was a really cool time to be up there. Um, And actually, it sort of spans a couple different periods for me, the tail end of Gimpy to the beginning of um, Old Scratch Revival Singers. um, I think Sean and I were in sort of similar realms at that point, and there were just a lot of people that were interconnected and really cool like uh noah doley i don't know if you know him no he actually played in old scratch for a while but he's an amazing visual artist and him and sean went to school together and so like there was that sort of like connection between us and then there was uh the fsu house um i do remember that the fuk house yeah because Um, of uh some like east coast like hardcore gang like yeah, yeah, I remember yeah, that. FSU I remember that. That um, was that was crazy. And yeah. So, and I think, I think Sean or at least some of his close friends lived at that house, and so did, and we all spent a lot of time there. Uh, Nick, the drummer from Old Scratch, lived there too. So it was kind of like we were around each other a lot, and so um, it was really cool. Uh, looking back, one of the things I was jealous of was that they got to do whatever they wanted whereas i had sort of painted myself into a corner with this band where it was like well you can do whatever you want as long as it sounds like the 1930s (laughs) (laughs) well it wasn't kind of stupid how much i guess i guess i was kind of unaware how much of old scratch revival singers was like brooks's vision versus like your vision because i remember like you you played like sorry i don't want to turn this into an interview <laughs> but like i was oh, just okay. i was just curious because like um i guess i always automatically assumed and maybe wrongly that old scratch was kind of like brooks's because brooks was already kind of doing that like you know what i mean before before gimpy with like you know some of his even like his early like solo stuff and the heart attacks mm-hmm. and stuff like that which i guess you played in the heart attacks too didn't you for a while right so like so um, old scratch was directly yeah it was an offshoot of the heart attacks how much how was mu- three, three members of the heart attacks so how much of the so, of the old scratch was like like how much of that am i getting wrong well i mean i don't i have a hard time like I don't know how to say it, uh, tooting my own horn or whatever. But basically what happened was, um, yeah, I had written a song called The Patience of Job, mm-hmm. um, which was more of a gospel song. 
Brooks had written a song called Sing My Funeral Song for the Heart Attacks, mm-hmm. which we had recorded a demo of on a Heart Attacks recording. Um, and then actually what happened was Nick from the Heart Attacks and I recorded a version of Sing My Funeral Song and this other song, Patience of Job. And then I came up with the, the name, basically, I guess the concept. Um, but, I mean, the, the impetus of an idea is not the execution of an idea. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, no, and absolutely. So Brooks, Brooks was automatically, instantly involved. His wife at the time, Rebecca, basically those were the, fir- the four founding members, is Brooks, Rebecca, Nick, and myself. And everyone instantly added some element of it, and it became a collective, you know? Mm-hmm. And sure. And so I would say as far as writing duties... Probably about half and half between Brooks and I. Okay. As far as the songs go. Okay. Um, even as we continued, and even on the second album, which no one will ever hear. So. <laughs> you you guys streamed that for like a brief period of time, didn't you? Yeah, we released the first quarter or something. Yeah. Like maybe three of the songs. Yeah, yeah, three yeah. or four of the songs. I remember hearing that. <laughs> Interesting. I guess I always, for some reason, I was always under the impression from the outside looking in that, uh, like, Old Scratch was, like, Brooks's project, mm-hmm. and he just kind of had, like, people, like, like, you know, he just kind of asked people to play, like, his songs or something. You know what I mean? Like, that's right. that's always what I thought. Um, but that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I never, I never, I mean, I... I I know that you did vocals, but I guess I just didn't... I, I didn't know how much of a hand you had in writing the material for Old Scratch. That's... Uh, yeah, I would I would say about half and half. Uh, but then also... Uh, we also wrote and arranged everything together, too. Like, the idea of who writes a song, to me, is who wrote the words, the chord progression, and the melody... That's right. the writer of the song. Right. Now, if there's a break or people write their own parts that they play on it or whatever, like that's a different thing. That's a collective sort of arrangement at that point. So to say, oh, I wrote a bunch of the songs, it's like, yeah, but so did other people. And, you know, like Nick wrote a lot of things. And so, and we wrote a lot of things together, like split three ways completely, you know? Yeah, yeah, so. Yeah. It's hard to just break it down. I think that's why we, and anything we've done, we've just said all songs written by the old Scratch Revival singers because, you know, trying to separate it out, I don't know, it's not like it would cause animosity between us. We're all really good friends, but there's just no reason really to split hairs anyway, you know. Sure, yeah. I mean, you know, so, you guys are yeah. all a collective, you know what I mean? Like, might as well just give it, give the credit to old Scratch Revival singers. It's like, at the end of the day, it, why does it matter, you know? But uh, that's, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's interesting. I, n- I never knew yeah. that. Okay, so now that I'm done with my interview, um, the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just, no, I just, that, that let's was, move on. yeah, let's, let's, let's move on. Um, there is uh, one thing that uh, we totally forgot to do the hi, I'm Dan, the hi, I'm Eric. 
intro. Uh, and it's twenty minutes. Twenty minutes in. So maybe that could kind of be we'll like. We'll just a, say it now, and then you cut it out and put it in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. There you go. There you go. I mean, you can leave in this part where we're talking about it. And just have a hard cut. <laughs> no, actually, I should and just. And then like, it'll be the next part. What I should do is I should just chop up. The entire thing, so it doesn't make any sense, yeah. and just put everything. Yeah, in different... make, make it lunch it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like, like one minute we're talking about old scratch, then we're talking about dub, and then we're talking about milk sprite yeah. again, and then we're talking about old scratch uh, again. It's all the same. It's all. It's all one and the same. It's all make relative. More. Relative. Yeah. <laughs> uh no no actually uh, I think for this episode we should do the intro at the end. Like, okay. that should be, like, the last thing we do. What do you think? It sounds great. All right, so. We're going we're gonna to forget. I'm, yeah, yeah. It's I'm nice gonna, to have a plan. All right, I, I'm writing it down. Intro at the end. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, we're, dude, like, I like, I, I, you know, I like being prepared, you know? Like, so there we go. Intro at the end. Uh, so, yeah, no, the, the, th- <laughs> the thing that we were um, going to talk about I th- well, I don't know. I think I feel like we had numerous things we were going to talk about, and the only one that I remember is the whole what would get canceled today. Sure. Yeah. I, 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 I and I don't remember what else we were going to talk about, but I don't. Yeah, I'm probably not <laughs> even going to go back to the podcast to listen because I know we brought it up. <laughs> but um, yeah. So like. Yeah canceled today well i guess like the first thing that i want to clarify is like what or i guess like what i want to talk about is what do you think like um should we talk about just like stuff that we grew up with that we feel would probably not how do you want to approach it yeah i I think that there are a few ways to approach it i think I think we could also kind of even just talk about the idea. Like, sure. um, uh, I don't know, or we could talk about concepts and things like that because it is somewhat conceptual, the whole idea of going back in time and finding things that probably would cause people to get in trouble now. Because oh. it's, I don't think people are under the same kind of scrutiny then that they are now absolutely not, not. that it, the world may have become uh, a little more i don't want to say pc because i'm not that guy i'm right. not the guy that runs around going this world everyone's so sensitive no i think everyone should be way more sensitive we yeah. should all be able to express you hurt my feelings to everyone in the world you know but anyway <laughs> um but i think we're a little more trained to, to to hear those things or see those things or notice them from mm-hmm. people now. And so that's part of it. You know, the world itself is different sure. than the time periods we were talking about. So, you know, that's an element. Sure. But we also could easily go through things that are offensive from our favorite artists that sure. should have gotten them canceled. <laughs> well, one of the thing that, uh, so. <laughs> one of the things that, um, and I'm not, I mean, me personally, like, I, I agree with you that I think people need to be more sensitive. We kind of talked about on the unaired episode about how mm-hmm. bullying is like a really prime example of that. 
Right. Because bullying led to people really getting hurt both physically and emotionally a lot, like when I was growing up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and nothing seemed to really be ever yeah. really be done about it. Uh, <clears throat> but like, um, I'm not sure necessarily if, if I personally agree, like, oh, like, like they should have been canceled. Like it, yeah. it depends on what it is, I guess. But like, um, I, in, okay. Like I kind of, I, 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 I view it two ways, Eric. I view it one way. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad in, in a lot of ways that, like you said, the world is getting a little more uh, mindful of people's mm-hmm. feelings. On the other hand, I'm also grateful that I was able to experience growing up in a time that really wasn't like that. Not because, sure. not because I think, oh, it was just so much better back then because it mm-hmm. really wasn't. I mean, in some ways I think it was, but a lot of that is just because of nostalgia because I'm going back in time to, you know, just, you know, everyone kind of does it. I think where it's like, Oh man, I remember when I used to be able to go to the mall on a Saturday and actually Uh like stay there. And you know what I mean? Like, you know, just stuff like that. But like, um, uh, so on, on, on one hand, I'm also kind of grateful to have been able to grow up in a time when, because I feel like, I feel like that also kind of contributes to the education of learning from like the younger generation or people that are more sensitive today. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I view it as like, I view it as like, okay, well, there were a lot of things that I watched and listened to that, you know, really was just offensive and really bad and Mm -hmm. would probably get them canceled today but you know i'm 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 glad to know that that i experienced that so that today when i hear that stuff i can be i can i can say that i can say well yeah we've Mm -hmm we've moved on to a different does that make sense yeah i think so like we've we've moved on to a different like like it's actually it actually helps me learn when i go back to just be like wow like 11 year olds were watching this or listening to this in like 1992 you know what i mean sure yeah i i i do uh i think the the other aspect and maybe i'm just wrong and old but um it wouldn't be the first time i don't think i don't think my parents sat down and watched ren and stimpy with me <laughs> my, i don't think that they listened to the misfits with okay. me you know my parents so, i'm sorry yeah, i'm sorry no. my parents actually did watch ren and stimpy with me oh okay they, they didn't they didn't listen to my music though they they actually, um, uh, and sorry to interrupt here, Eric, but they actually, um, when the parental advisory sticker first started to appear on records, yeah. they wouldn't let me get like Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar Sex Magic because of it. Oh, 
Um, yeah. They wouldn't let me get, at first, they wouldn't let me get uh, music that had the parental advisory at first. Yeah. And then they just became really lax about it. Like, eventually, I think <laughs> them and the rest of the world were just like, you know what, these kids are just going to get it anyway. Right. Anyway, yeah. sorry, what, what, what were you saying? I was just saying that I think that it's kind of different, too, because I do think I'm not a parent, but uh, I, I know a lot of parents <laughs> right. that are my age, and they all kind of grew up in um, in that era, and a lot of them do watch cartoons with their kids, or they do play video games with their kids, or they do listen to the music with their kids, and I, I don't know what how that's impacted things. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, even from an artist's point of view, like, I think people creating now know that this isn't going to slide under the radar, probably. Well, yeah. To to a certain age group, anyway. And so, I think that kind of changes things, too, a little bit. Like, I don't think... I don't think something like The Misfits would would have the same kind of cultural impact because I don't know if they would say the things that they said anyway. Sure. You know, I, 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 if it, I don't know if any of this is making any sense, but it's like even, even like when Marilyn Manson came out, that was a big yes. controversy. Right? Actually, that, that but, was, that was one of the, uh, one of the artists that actually came to mind right away after you mentioned misfits. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but even if we look at what they say in Marilyn Manson songs, it's nothing like the Misfits. No, like it, it might be um, smarter. I, I that's probably debatable, but it's definitely not more offensive, and it's not more uh, like overt. You know, no. that was the thing about a lot of stuff that I grew up with is they just said shit. Like if you listen to like S.O.D. Um, yeah. Yeah. The uh, Stormtroopers of Death. Yep. That's, like, terrible. I mean, it really is. Absolutely, like, absolutely. <laughs> well, okay. Like, even when I was a kid listening to it, I was like, I don't think this is okay. Like, I actually don't think this is okay. I laughed about it. Because right. I was freaking 10 or something. Right, you know? right. Uh, it's, uh, it's, my parents didn't have much oversight into what I what I was into, by the way. No, <laughs> my... You can't tell from that statement. No, I was my, like eight, just watching The Exorcist, listening oh, to Slayer. I'm like, yeah! You know? No, dude, my um, my first, like... Okay, like, my first musical obsession was, when I was five, was Huey Lewis and the News. Um, yeah. Two, three years Pretty later... Edgy. Two, three years later, though, um, it was mm-hmm. Iron Maiden. Like, I actually... My oh, parents... Yeah. My parents went to music land to buy me live after death and somewhere in time on vinyl nice. and uh you know it, and and then i look back on it in first grade i had i actually had a jean jacket in first grade that had guns and roses and motley crew pens and yeah, like sure. iron maiden pens in first grade yeah. and i'm sitting there thinking yeah, i I'm, I'm like wow cool. i wonder what these what like now I'm like I wonder what the what the uh, teachers actually thought, you know like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like at the you know what I mean like it's it's really interesting yeah. you know um one of the uh, most offensive things that mm-hmm. 
I saw that I and I remember watching this when I was I don't know what Beavis and Butthead came out I think when I was like in seventh grade or eighth grade or okay. something and I used to watch that show religiously mm-hmm. um, I think pretty much if you were a teenager at that time you probably did and uh, I watched a lot of it I was quite a bit older than you I mean it was like my Somewhere between my junior and senior year of high yeah, school, I believe, yeah. when that came out. Yep. So you would have been so, you would you would have still been a teenager though, just an older teenager, right? You know, right. But um, I still found it pretty funny. Well, hell, I mean, yeah. as a as a forty year old, I find it hilarious <laughs> still. But um, I haven't seen it since like nineteen ninety four or three or whatever it was. Oh, really? Not on the air anymore. You didn't, you I haven't seen it since. You didn't <laughs> see uh, the uh, short lived reboot that they did, like back in like. 2010 oh no yeah they did a was it good yeah actually i was really shocked because uh it basically just felt like they picked up like on the last week's episode in like 1996 or something it was the only difference is is that since mtv doesn't play music videos they Uh they would play like a few music videos but they also showed like clips (laughs) of like jersey shore and, oh, that and, makes sense. And so yeah. that was actually kind of funny. Like, I, I expected it to be dumb, and it, it it's dumb. I mean, anybody who thinks Beavis and Butthead is smart, you know, <laughs> like, it's meant to be dumb. But, like, right. I, I just thought it was going to be bad. But, no, actually, it uh, ended up being, uh, being pretty funny. But there's this episode that got banned. Um, and I remember seeing this episode on tv like when it actually originally aired and uh it's this it's this episode where beavis and butthead um they go to a gun shop and when they go into when they go into a gun shop you know like some fat like sort of dude is sitting there and he's all like you boys 18 and like (laughs) butthead's like no and then he points to a sign that says like sale on shotgun or something like that must be 18 he's like you boys 18 (laughs) like he like he he was encouraging them to lie to him so he could make a a sale so then they ended up like buying this shotgun and they go out and like (laughs) these are two teenagers going out and uh shooting the shotgun and I think Budhead is the one that's shooting it for the most part. And then Beavis is like, hey, hey, uh, Budhead, uh, let me try it. Let me try it. So he takes it from, from Budhead and then he shoots it. And when he shoots it uh-huh. in the air, it hits a plane. And okay. then a plane <laughs> lands and crashes right in the park where they're shooting this gun off. And they walk up to this plane and there's like this woman like banging on the window and she's like help help oh my god help us uh there's a pregnant woman on board and then beavis and budhead just start laughing (laughs) and then budhead's like how'd that happen (laughs) like i'm sitting there watching this and i just remember like having this moment where i'm like i remember seeing this episode when I was like 10 
and it was like not a big deal like i didn't think about it at all like i just laughed yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> then, like, and i'm just like wow this is really what they were i mean this is really like what was pretty much being marketed to like bored 12 year olds who are home alone on during right. the summer all week while their parents are at work and they have the free reign over mm -hmm. the TV in 1996, you know, 1995 right. or whatever it is. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, yeah. That's a perfect example though of like, I don't think like that kind of humor would <laughs> fly today. Pun right. not intended. But also, it's, I think it's interesting because would it even be funny? Now. Yeah, I that that is interesting. That that's a very if you interesting just had the question. Thing where there was literally no story, yeah, and they were just being violent. Yeah, I don't know if that would connect with people now. Like, I, don't, I have no idea. Like at that time, but, at that yeah. time, it definitely would because I think like in some ways, I think that um, I don't know. I. I, I don't want to say that, like, because I hate putting it, like, in any way that makes it sound like I'm going to say, oh, uh, well, we were just able to take a joke better back then. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's like, I don't really know, but, like, it's, I feel like, um, like, those, there's certain issues that just were not, they, they just were not being talked about in in ways that they're being talked about now that mm -hmm. would it's almost like this mass um uh what am i trying to say here like it's like this um like like this this mass uh sort of like like the way that issues are being talked about in society affects the way that people are going to respond to art you know what I mean? Sure. Like, Absolutely. It, and, yeah. and so, like, that's where I kind of, I do kind of also get a little bit, I, I kind of have a tough time when I hear people say that, like, music and art has absolutely no effect on society whatsoever. Because clearly yeah. it does. Because at the time that we just talked about Marilyn Manson. At the time that uh, Marilyn Manson was huge, there was a yeah. whole, just a whole, like, there was, like, millions and millions of kids that were dressing like him, and they called themselves Mansonites. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. that was that was the culture then, and that was directly affected yeah. by what Marilyn Manson was doing. Just like the right. culture back then, uh, issues with, like, I don't know, like feminism or, or uh, trans issues mm -hmm. and things like that led to like, you know, like Ace Ventura, you know, like uh, parts in Ace Ventura that were really, that I feel would be pretty transphobic, considered transphobic now, you know? Oh, for sure. And, and like, uh, yeah. same with like that Beavis and Butthead episode, like we weren't really talking about violence back then. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's the same thing where it's like, like I was talking about with the bullying. Bullying was... The answer to bullying at, when I grew up that I remember was tough it out. 
you know, ignore it because yeah. that person just wants your attention. Well, no, if you ignore a problem, right. it becomes worse, you know? And so, yeah, I or, or like fight back or yeah, fight whatever. back or, yeah. you know, quit being a cry. Like you would get in trouble right. half the time if you were for being a tattletale, if you went and did what you were told you were supposed to do, which is. Right. Get a member of like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was it was so fucked. Find an adult. Yeah, find an adult. It's like it was so fucked. You know what I mean? Like in yeah. a in a lot of ways. And so like violence was I mean, I still think violence is yeah. kind of funny sometimes like I'll oh, have to yeah. admit. You know what I mean? I still find it funny every time. Like I I still laughed at that episode when I saw that on YouTube yeah. where it was like banned I mean, Beavers and Butthead. Violence is is a little different too. I mean, the thing about all of this though is like uh, with the Marilyn Manson thing, it's like they were responding to bullies. Like that was their sort of misguided, uh, irreverent, incendiary way of saying, look, I'm hurt. I'm a hurt, damaged person and I want to hurt and damage other people because of it. Right. You know, and I think that was sort of that was sort of a new voice, you know. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't completely new, but it was as far as popular, especially on that grand of a scale, popular music. You didn't really put out songs about specifically going to school and shooting people or hitting them with your lunchbox. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's why everyone was so riled up by it, but also why the kids loved it so much. I mean, as they should. They should. Anything yeah. that gives you a voice, anything that makes you feel seen or heard, especially when you're young, is you're just gonna devote your life to it. And luckily Marilyn Manson knew it was I mean, I'm talking about Brian Warner, the guy. Mm -hmm. Like, he knew... Oh, the kid from The joke. Wonder Years. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but he knew that it wasn't... That it was... That he was basically Motley Crue. You know? <laughs> All he really did was reintroduce the theatrics of heavy metal to a generation. You know? Because we... We had grunge, and I think Marilyn Manson was a direct response to that, personally. I think... It was kind of like, whoa, what happened to having fun and uh, being in costumes and getting people riled up, like shout at the devil or whatever, you know? Right, yeah. And and so I think that's how they saw it. This is like, we're doing this, we write songs about this, because obviously that quaint shout at the devil shit isn't going to have an impact anymore. Right. So we have to talk about abuse and violence and... Um, being hurt you know a lot of people used that element at the time even corn i mean oh yeah you know like that was kind of a thing it's like you had these groups that gave voice to people that felt damaged and um and before that it was kind of just like punk rock and and obviously i love punk rock but at the same time not everyone fits in there either dirt bags didn't fit into punk rock you know People that wore long hair and jean jackets and got high, they didn't really fit in at the punk rock show either. So to give them this voice of 
I'm damaged and I want to damage other people and damage this world. They didn't really have that at that moment. And so I think the impact was huge. And I think it was only achieved through the irreverence and offensiveness, you know? Sure, sure. And so I think it's great. I think that through art and the actual construction of the art and the product that comes out of it, I don't think you should put boundaries on yourself. I mean, I, I think on a personal level, as a person, what you do matters. I think, you know, it's like, if you're a piece of shit person, then I don't think people should probably give you money and support you and buy your records and go to your movies and stuff. Yeah, but... But the character you're playing is a piece of shit? I don't know. I, I mean, that's, that's art. The prop, okay, but that is actually one downside that I can say that I've seen with kind of the, um, for lack of a better way to describe it, rise in sensitivity and culture today, um, uh-huh. is that I do feel that a lot of times, like, and I 100% agree with you, I think that, like, people should be judged more on their character, their actual character, than, you know, like, any sort of art but the problem is is that like i also i feel like people the boundaries of reality especially in today's world where music like okay like a lot of like one of the things about technology that's i'm finding very fascinating today is that that sort of line between like celebrity and fan is getting blurrier and blurrier by the day. Mm -hmm. And what I mean is, is like now, like you got like people who are like, you know, influencers on like Instagram or like YouTube that are, you know, Mm -hmm. connecting directly with their fans. And so like they're, when they like do like art, I feel like a lot of fans feel that that's just automatically like an extension of like whatever it is that they feel. So if like there's something that came out, I think if Manson came out today, for instance, I think Uh people would like kind of maybe there's a chance that there might be people that would more people would maybe view it more. The kids would view it as more like, wow, like, you know, that Marilyn Manson is like, a real a real character like he's and he's not even you know what i mean like some people view view like i think like the bound the uh the line between like what is real in someone's art and what is real in someone's personal life because of things like social media it's becoming blurred you know it's becoming blurred day by day and so Mm -hmm. i think that people like they when they hear like somebody write a song about a certain subject and if they're actually trying to be offensive or if they are if what it, whatever they're singing about just happens to be offensive then mm-hmm. a bunch of people say like oh my god like this person is really this way you know what i mean you get what I'm saying? So that's, that's kind of like, that also is one of the things that, um, I feel is different about like when we grew up and Mm -hmm. now is that 
I don't want to call it anonymity, but mm-hmm. being able to be a little more mysterious was a lot easier. And in fact, I feel like kind mm-hmm. of expected in a lot of artists right. back then. For sure. Yeah, that's a great observation. It's like, do I mean, do I know... Yeah. If you look at someone's uh, social media presence, yeah, would you even think that this the person that I'm following, the person that is speaking directly to me through this post, like, why would you think that they are playing a character? Exactly. You know? Like, it, it is them. It says their name. Like, and it does seem like they're speaking directly to you. Yes. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Yeah, maybe, maybe that last level of anonymity or separation is part of the reason people are held to higher standards in a way. You know? Yeah. Because we really, we really think it's them, not not uh, an art, uh, an idea of art or something that they're putting out. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's so it's kind of. Um, I mean, even if like uh, somebody is using like offensive material for like to make a point you know what i mean Mm -hmm. not because they necessarily believe that that's you know like they don't believe in that you know what i mean believe in whatever it is they're singing about they're using it to kind of illustrate a point i feel like more times than not in the past i'm gonna say maybe seven years but i'm gonna say it's really started to like heighten in the past like three years mm-hmm. where um, it's really easy to label somebody as a piece of shit. Uh, uh-huh. it's, it's getting easier and easier to label somebody a piece of shit, not only because of social media, but because of something that they may have, you know, written in a song or something mm-hmm. they may have. I mean, you see it all the time. People like dig up like old, you know, stupid things that somebody may have said like ten years ago on a Facebook, and then for sure, and then it's like, and I'm not saying they shouldn't be held accountable for that, but at the same time, a lot can change in ten years. And oh yeah, a lot can change in one year. I mean, yeah, you can live a certain way and do things, uh, be a part of things have it be something that you almost define your life by and all of a sudden be like oh my god I was so wrong I wish I could take that back you know and apologize to every person you know dude, and yeah. instantly be changed and I mean I've gone through it so and I would I. hate to think that people would uh, hold hold me accountable for things that I did when I was 18 years old I think you know you hope that people change and you should be ready to give people another chance but it it seems like that's kind of part of the problem is giving people another chance seems in short supply right now it seems like if you fuck up and get called out for it even if you apologize even if you change and even if you truly start to understand the impact of what you said or did and sometimes people don't care and that you're just done yes and you know i'm not saying 
that people should be held accountable, but should they be held accountable for the rest of their lives or the rest of their careers? I don't know. I, like I said, I personally fully operate under the grace of se- uh, of second chances yes. with a lot of people, yep. and so I have to be a proponent of giving those second chances. You yep. know. Yep. I'm definitely so, definitely the same way. But yeah, so yeah. In conclusion, man, uh, the world is fucked up. <laughs> that's that's what it always comes down to. Pretty much. The world yeah. is fucked up, and it's never gonna change. And it's good. Well, actually, <laughs> that is a dangerous, dangerous statement. Um, it's yeah. I don't think it holds true. That is a terrible statement. <laughs> That's funny as hell. I mean, we were just <laughs> we, talking we about. To see it. We were just talking about. Well, I just said that a lot can change in like ten years, and then I'm like, yeah. oh, the world's never going to change. <laughs> it's always going to stay the same. <laughs> Um, the world's made up of big truths and little truths, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Will the big ones ever change? That's Probably not. You're, you're exactly <laughs> right there. You're exactly right there. Oh, jeez. We hope. We hope, you know? Well, in it... Over time, things get better. <laughs> we, yeah. I mean, hope is what we're holding on to big time. Like, yeah. I feel like right now, I think that's everybody. Um... Yeah, I said that to uh, my friend the other day. We were kind of talking back and forth on text, and I said, I actually think things are going to get better. And I was like, that feels so weird for me to say that. Like, I've never I've never felt the need to be optimistic before yeah. now. Like, it's never been so bad that I had to convince myself shit was going to get better. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. It's, a, it's always kind of been like, I don't know. It'll probably just be the same forever. Who cares? And well, now it's like, I don't know, I think I truly have to believe it's going to get better. Well, because... <laughs> it's not a comfortable feeling for me, you know? It wasn't that long ago that everything really was just kind of the same every election, the same every... You know what I mean? Like, it, just, yeah. it didn't really, like, change, and there really was no need to be optimistic. It was just more like, oh, we're living this mundane, boring life every day. <laughs> yeah, right? You know, like, I get to play music and go work my job. I get yeah. to... I get to, you know, watch old Beavis and Butthead episodes on YouTube. <laughs> you know, like, that's my existence. Sometimes maybe I'll travel outside of Iowa. You know, like, it just... Yeah, yeah. That's not? just, that was that was the existence up until, you know, well, especially just this year. I mean, obviously yeah. with everything going on, going on, but yeah, um, that's interesting. That that's That's a great way to put it, Eric. I... I've I'm the same way. I'm kind of like ah, it'll get better. I have hope, and and it's like well, fuck, you know, like ten years ago, I never would have said that. Ten years ago, no, <laughs> I probably would accuse somebody to be of being a hippie for saying something like that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, shit, right? I would have just been like ah, oh, whatever, put your tie dye on. Yeah. You know, like that. That's what I would have like seriously. Yeah. Like when I was in my twenties, I really was like for whatever reason, like an asshole when it came to like, you know, hippie type stuff. You know what I mean? Like, well, and, yeah. And I think that we, we equate misery with, uh, enlightenment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when you're younger, I think that unless you're struggling and angry and 
mad. And those are all super valid. Don't get me wrong. Right. But in let, but anyone else who doesn't feel those things, they're just not seeing the truth. Yeah. You know, or they're just ignoring the way shit really is. And it's like, I don't know, maybe. Like, perception is reality. We do sort of invent our own world. And I think as soon as you start to realize that, I don't, I think it doesn't make problems go away or actually change the world, but it might give you an insight into how you can make your little part of the world a, a, a brighter place. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. And so I think being optimistic is fucking lame. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but. I think that's hilarious because I actually, I, I kind I of. I also think that it's valid. So, that's that's funny whatever. because because like <laughs> the only reason why I was saying that was because I was like in my twenties, so I was like, yeah. I thought that I was like being cool by being some angry like punk right. rocker or something. It's like now I yeah. actually kind of, I kind of like optimism because it kind of <laughs> gives gives me like a like you know gives me dreadlocks and sandals and tie dye t shirts <laughs> and. Grateful Dead CDs in my collection, you know, like yeah. <laughs> I, I I think for me, honestly, the, one of the biggest things that changed was that I, uh, I felt that uh, it. How can I say it? Uh, me being accepted wasn't a given right. anymore. And I think when you, as you get older, you start to realize you're the old fool that everyone is laughing at just like you laughed at them when you were young absolutely and and you start to depend on that acceptance and you you want you want it but you also realize that it's going to take you being very empathetic and understanding other people and being more accepting of them to earn that acceptance like you don't get to be exclusive anymore when no one wants to be around you anyway Here's, you know what I mean? (laughs) Absolutely. Here's one of my behaviors when I was like, when I was like that age, I'm going to say between like the ages of like 18 and like 20, that would have gotten me canceled today. Um, Hmm. I remember for some reason there was this like, you remember Fazoli's? Um, Yeah. And it was in, uh, there was a Fazoli's in Muscatine. And um, I remember this one time, me and a friend of mine went into Fazoli's. And Mm -hmm. we were both like really bitter, bitter people at this time, at this stage in our Mm -hmm. lives. We thought that society was out to get us all the time and stuff. Yeah. We came to that conclusion (laughs) together. And, um, (laughs) <laughs> anyway, uh, we go in there and there's like this manager that is working and uh, he had like just really, really bad like perm type hair, like just really curly, right? Yeah. And so we just decided, and I, I'm not proud of this, so I'm just going to let the listeners know that uh, I'm not, this is, this is a terrible thing I did. And... Um, but we, uh, you know, we got our food and everything and we sat down and the entire time we were eating, we just like laughed about this guy and his appearance. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we just like, 
And then we got in the car and we then went from like laughing about his appearance to like, we really got to do something about this guy because he's a danger to our lives sort of thing. You know what okay. I mean? Like, yeah, sure. Like we were just like, he's ruining our lives. He's living in our minds. We need to like <laughs> do something about this. Two years. Yeah. Every time we got together for two years. That seems like in our car rides to Davenport to watch movies, all we talked about was this guy at Fazoli that we met one time. Didn't even meet him. He just served us our food. And the the way he looked, like, affected our lives that much. It's like, you know what I mean? And we had no reason. We, We were like, I think we were like fucking just like, God, man, we were sick. Like, I just remember yeah. just, like, sitting there just like, Yo, what, you know, what was that dude doing, you know, with his curly hair? Like, <laughs> for, like, two years. Yeah. It seemed like two years we were just, like, talking about this guy. And it's like, it's like, uh, you know, I, I look back on that now and I'm just like, wow. Like, you know, being, like, 18 to 20 years old. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the things right. that are... But you didn't actually do anything to that Oh, guy. hell no, 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 no. We, I, like, the thing is, we would talk to... So this to, is just sort of like the... Um, uh, what? Uh, how, what's the right word for this? Uh, the fetish... Fetishism of, of being young. Well, we I would, think that when you're young, you create all this stuff. Like, you make religions out of... Like, like uh, Chuck Moore and I made religions <laughs> about... Frank's kraut juice and cold chicken <laughs> yeah, in a can. Yeah, 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 you do like, those types of things. You yeah. know, and so, like, you just, you do that. You you latch on to one person you saw and you make fun of them for two years. Yeah, and we were I like... I think that's just the way it is. And we were like, we were like, uh, I remember, like, at one time, we were, like, um, just talking, you know, just like, uh, we, we would, you know, we would say things like, you know, oh, if I ever see him, man... You know, if I see him again, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so, yeah. so absurd, like, thinking so back on it. So kind of mean. Yeah, we, well, yeah, but, like, the guy didn't even know it. You know what I mean? The guy, like, right. the guy had no idea we were talking about him for two years. Right. Like, you know, and that's, that, that's, what, that's what's so funny yeah. to me. And, like, you know, I was just, like, yeah. I remember, like, there was this rap song that was really big, like, there for a while called never scared like and it was this this guy who's like i ain't never scared you know like just really what? dumb yeah he's like i ain't never scared and i remember we would like sing that in relation to like the next time we see him and it's like well what would we have anything to be scared about jesus like we met the guy once he was a nice guy he just had like a really yeah. dumb haircut you know what i mean like yeah. that was the sure. only thing and we spent two years plus saying rap songs in his honor. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was just, but I, I like the idea. I don't know. I don't, it doesn't sound like bullying to me. It sounds like you almost turned him into a deity. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, kind of. We were like, dude, but I, now that I think of it, the idea of having a rap song called Never Scared is pretty hilarious. I ain't never scared. Like, really? <laughs> You're not scared of anything? 
Uh, I think the, I don't know this song at all. The, well, the, I love your version of it. The rapper's name is uh, Bone Crusher. That makes it even better. Oh shit! His name is Bone Crusher, and he's never scared. And he's never scared. Never scared. That's pretty, at least that's a, pretty terrifying. Yeah, and, no, that's seriously how yeah. he. He's like, I ain't never scared. You know, like he was like that total, like you know, <laughs> little John. You know, like. Remember that no limit cash money era of rap? Yeah. You know, where uh-huh. everybody, every rapper was sounding like that for a while. You know, like, mm. oh, and like they would always bring like real like helicopters and choppers on stage and tanks and stuff. Like, like, like what? what? I, I always thought that was funny too. They'd bring like helicopters on stage and, you know, with like the cash money logo. I didn't really pay attention to any. I didn't like any of that rap, but I just remember you couldn't help but avoid it for a good couple years, you know, around that time. Yeah, it was, yeah for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, so, like, yeah, we weren't scared of that guy from Fazoli's. So, I mean, <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess you're right. Maybe we wouldn't have, there would have maybe been no reason for us to get canceled. It's not like we really did no. anything that terrible, but. It was still, yeah, I, we were never. Well, yeah, that's the thing, though. It's like, you might look back at that and not feel good about it now. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, probably that's probably good, though. Like, it'll keep you from doing it again. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, remember that time you felt really shitty for that? Next time you go into a restaurant and some dude has curly-ass hair, you'll probably just be like, oh, thanks for my order, man. And, like be done with it it would be funny if we like got because i don't i don't see this friend of mine very often anymore it'd be funny if we got back together and just started the same thing again in our 40s like just made fun of somebody for five years this time you know just like yeah i don't know yeah well anyway this this got to be able to go out to eat so yeah, this portion maybe of sometime in the future. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> oh, that guy who's wearing a mask. Can you imagine yeah. that? Uh, but anyway, um, oh my gosh. Anyway, so yeah, uh, this portion of this episode is going nowhere fast. So I think I think. Well, it... I, I'm sorry, but I am probably not going to divulge things that probably should have been. Uh, should have resulted in me being canceled. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. They still could probably uh, make me get canceled. No, no, absolutely. <laughs> There's actually, and I've moved on, and it doesn't play any part in my life. No, uh, no, no. And no. I'd rather just uh, forget everything wrong I've ever done. So yeah, I mean, no. The reason why I shared that, <laughs> the reason why I shared that, is because I just think it was the absurdity of it now. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Like it's just no, no, no. Plus, trust me, there's way worse things that I could talk about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's way worse things that I did when I yeah. was like in my twenties than that. Yeah. No, even Let me just say, I really, I really am sorry. And, uh, I, and I, I, I've learned and I've changed. Well, you know, thank Eric, you, for understanding. you You don't have to apologize <laughs> to me. To everyone I've ever met, by the way. Well, I, cause I've done something. <laughs> I don't think you've ever done anything to me, man, except <laughs> Maybe I just didn't hang out with you enough. I don't know. Except what? Sorry. Well, maybe I just, maybe, did I say accept? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like, uh, no, except maybe like um, what I was going to say. Maybe you made like 
a joke or something here and there when we were like hanging out after a show. But the other thing I was yeah. going to say was maybe I just didn't <laughs> hang out with you enough. <laughs> no, if you hung out with me ever, I'm positive I made an inappropriate oh, joke. Oh, wait, no, 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 no. Actually, that, that Nickelback thing, that Nickelback thing, that, that's, that's, that, that's, I guess, kind of an example. <laughs> but that was funny, though. I laughed about that. Wow. Speaking of which, yeah. did you did you listen to Nickelback CDs? No. Uh, okay. No, I, I forgot. Well, let me know when you forgot to do our homework for the podcast. Yeah. I see. Mm. All right, Eric. I'm gonna hold you accountable. I think I'll probably forget it definitely. I'm gonna hold you accountable for that. Cancel Eric for Nickelback. Hashtag. Uh, <laughs> If I got canceled for not listening to the podcast, not listening to the okay. Dude, wouldn't that be crazy though? Like if anyway. Uh yeah, we better end this before it gets any longer. Um all right. so all right, now I guess is the time we do the intro. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I think I'm gonna leave it at the end. Like, you know, heck, whatever. Hi, I'm Dan. Yeah. And I'm Eric. <laughs>